This is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Crusader Chronicles. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 26, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 170 and Star Wars number one from April 1977. Welcome to the 26th episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and have fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. Speaking about my friends, let's see who's still here with me after 25 episodes. Boy, I cannot believe that. We've done 25 episodes. Calm down, Pat. Calm down. It just blows my mind away. (laughs) I can't believe that. You know, there are comic series that didn't last this many issues. Yeah, exactly. Thunderstrike didn't, sadly. <laughs> but they were like double length. So they- <laughs> Again, I apologize. I'm really sorry about that. Speaking about double length. I yeah, that's right. Was- <laughs> oh, I heard this was his name in college. Well, let's go ahead and meet Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Bad. The prescription for danger, aka death probe. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Tonight, I would like to say two things. First of all, I got to go to Tashi Station to get some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done, Jared. <laughs> and second of all, I just want to say happy birthday to Delvin, the Dark Web Brothers. It's not actually his birthday, but this is the April 1977 episode, and he was born in April of 1977. That is correct. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, my delicious dark web. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. That was darling, Mary Jane. And I hope that there is going to be some hostess that we can share later on. I got some dark web. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how much of that will have to edit out. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it's 25 episodes. <laughs> <we've done. laughs> oh, speaking about the dark web, let's welcome in Delvin the Dark Web Williams for his birthday year and month. Hello, Delvin. Happy birthday. Hello there, Pat. I just want you guys to know that, you know, you thought that it was Delvin the Dark Web Williams, but this is really Delvin Cox. You know, it was a swerve. Oh. It was a swerve. Welcome what? to the experience. <laughs> Are we really doing the Falcon you, today? Are you Falcon kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I read the wrong Falcon book. Yeah, it's a swerve, guys. It's a swerve. You thought it was going to be one Delvin, and it turned out to be another Delvin. So, you know, Mary makes up. <laughs> Well, I'm glad either Delvin is here. It's always a pleasure to have them both here. <laughs> well, let's see who we got left here with us is Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. Oh, hey, everybody. Hold on a minute. I got uh, the cigar. I got a light up here, and I'm going to blow this in your face. Oh, oh. I'm under a vent. I'm under a vent, so I'm protected. You will get me a Sky Striker for Christmas. You will get me a Sky Striker for Christmas. All right. Seed has been planted, folks. So let's move along. Man, hold on, guys. I got to go look up something on eBay once. I want to see what's available. <laughs> Your mind control powers worked immediately on that. Well, I'm a sucker for that smoke. <laughs> I know you are. You know me. You are. <laughs> Gets me every time. Well, I'm really happy that you guys are here with me for, did I mention this is the 26th episode? I can't believe we've done 25 episodes already. You did, sir. You did. Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to mention it again because I don't care. (laughs) 
You're excited. I am excited. It's really exciting. We're on to the next 25. Can't wait till we hit 50. It's going to be awesome. Heck yeah. That'd be what, Spidey 194? Am I mass correct? Oof. Could be. <laughs> Trust me on that. It's yeah. 194. Yeah, give or take. <laughs> 220, 221, whatever it takes. <laughs> Speaking about whatever it takes, I think we should get this episode started. So let's go ahead and take a quick podcast promo break and we will be right back. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look. You can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori Lamaris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. It would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic of this episode. It's Amazing Spider-Man number 170. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. Cover date of July 1977. Got an on sale date of April 12th. 1977. That is my birthday. Is it that day? I was just going to ask you. Crazy. Craziness. Happy birthday. (laughs) 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 Some more cream filling. (laughs) Mary Jane's sister, Mary Joan. (laughs) That is really exciting and surprising that. Crazy. Everybody wish Delvin a happy birthday in the comments when we get this. It'll be special just for you, Delvin, just for you. Nice. Well, it's got a cover price of 30 cents. So while they were waiting for Delvin to be born, somebody could have ran down and got this for 30 cents. Or there's actually a 35 cent variant cover out there as well, too. So we're still kind of in that maybe 30, maybe 35 cent out there. We haven't really gone full 35 yet. They're test driving it. It's coming. Let's see. We got editor of Len Wein. Writer was Len Wein as well. Penciler was Ross and. Andrew, inker Frank Giacoa, and of course, everybody's favorite inker is Mike Esposito. Letterer is Joseph Rosen. The Color Me Bad colors for this issue is Glennis Ween, as always. Reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 8, trade to paperback. Follow along with us on the Marvel Unlimited app as well. We encourage you to follow along and join us in the fun. Cover credits go to penciler Ross Andrew with inker Frank Giacoa. Speaking of the cover, let's go ahead and take a look at that with some cover description by Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is rocking black letters on a light blue background, and Spidey is still standing watching his corner box black background this time, and the Amazing Spider-Man logo is red with black highlights, and it's stuck on the ever-popular webs. The main action shows Spidey cowering in fear as a menagerie of his foes begins materializing around him. These foes include the Rhino, Dr. Octopus, Vulture, Green Goblin, and Wolf Guy? Cap Wolf? Wolverine? I can't remember. (laughs) As these images all bum-rush Spidey, our web-slinger screams, My deadliest enemy's coming through the very walls at me! Am I going mad? While in the bottom right corner, Dr. Faustus responds, Indeed you are, my boy, and only Dr. Faustus can save you. That's it. Very good. Let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts on this. We'll start with me, just because that's the way it rolls. Because, hey, did I say I can't believe we've done 25 of these? (laughs) Nope. And I wanted to start with me this time, so let's go ahead and do that. Very interesting cover. I don't know who that wolf guy is, and I still don't know who the wolf guy is. It's Man Wolf. John Jameson? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I forgot. Okay, now it makes sense. I still don't know who that is. You'll have to give me a little more information on that as we go. J. Jonah Jameson's son got turned into a werewolf. He was an astronaut or something. I don't oh, know. I know that. I didn't. I didn't know he got turned into a werewolf though. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's one of Spider-Man's oldest foes. No, oh, really. Hmm. Absolutely. I oh, think he'll be making a return sometime soon too. But he's always been a tough bout for Spidey. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to that then, to learn a little bit more about him. I knew that Jane Jonah had a son and he was an astronaut, but I never knew he turned into a wolf guy. Interesting. Other than that, colors, it pops out pretty good. I like the colors. You know, this is one of the covers where you're like, oh, I'm expecting something really exciting and kind of disappoints me <laughs> in the story. So with that, why don't we go and see what Jarrett's thoughts are on the cover? Well, I like it. I like it a lot because it features a lot of villains. Sure, you can tell by the cover that it's going to be mind games and they're not really there but still you get a good cross-section of the villains coming at him there's a lot going on you fear for spidey because he's cowering composition's nice colors are good i I like this cover but let's find out what the birthday boy has to say what do you think delvin kind of looks like spider-man's about to break out into the safety dance a little bit no friend of mine. Okay. I knew that would get us distracted. I couldn't help that though. But I don't really have anything to say about the cover. It's not a bad cover. And it's not like you could put Dr. Faust's in much of an action pose because, well, he's fat. <laughs> I mean, I think they did what they could with a character that's more of the behind the scenes type guy. Yeah. So it's like, it, it really isn't a bad cover. Just not much to say about it. Jason. Technically, it is accurate. It does reflect what happened in the book. Sure does. Not, yeah. not what you hope happens in the book, but what actually does happen in the book. I agree. It's a pretty solid cover. I do like the menagerie of villains, but I'll be honest. When I saw Spider-Man, I was thinking of the Buffalo Bill dance from Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> So that kind of detracted a little bit for me. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Put the wolf in the basket. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and get into some cover ratings on this. Just as a reminder for our rating system here on the Chronicles, we got a one through five system. Five is it tickled your tummy feathers. You loved it. Four, you really liked it. Three, I liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, it falcon sucked or ruffled your tummy feathers. We're still out on that bird, so let us know which one you like. So, Jared, what are you going to rate the cover? I have a strange suspicion that I'm going to be the lead on the cover. I'm giving this a four. Ooh. You know, we look at it from, you know, would I hang that on my wall? And with that many different villains and that good looking art, man, yeah, I picked that up in a heartbeat. So I'm giving it a four and I'm going to pass it to Pat. Well, you are going to be up there by yourself on four. I'm going to give it a three. I liked it. Just something that doesn't do it for me and that's okay jason your thoughts scooch over on that three bench and make room for me i oh, yeah. agree with everything he's had doesn't quite raise it to the four level to me yeah i liked it though it's a meh. I liked it. What do you think, Delvin? Bring us home. I'm also going to give it a three. Dr. Faustus' yes. tight beard going up to his haircut notwithstanding. That's very impressive mane that he has going on there. Mm. But um, despite that, I'm going to keep it at a three. Jared, you're all by yourself. That's all right. It's art, man. Subjective. That's true. If you guys got a thought on your rating, go ahead and let us know in the comments. Let's go ahead and get a story synopsis brought to you by Delvin. Absolutely. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider a spider-man stanley presents the amazing spider-man
the title of this book is Madness is All in the Mind. And here we go. The main focus of Spidey 170 is that Dr. Faustus, through the help of hallucinogenic smoke, was able to hypnotize Spidey against his will into doing Faustus's bidding. In honor of, this summary will have hypnotic suggestions interlaced throughout. Don't worry, listeners. I'm not going to ask you to give me all your money or anything. That's unethical. Also, give me all of your money. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Faustus enters the fray as a surprise villain, not being kingpin and all. Gingers have no souls. <laughs> Faustus goes into exposition about where he was last, revealing a crippling weakness to an enemy. Why in the hell would he do that? <laughs> Before seemingly summoning a ton of Spider-Man's classic foes to attack him all at once, then banishing them all with a wave of his massive arms. This was kind of the plot to issue 150 so far. <laughs> Lynn might be losing it. <laughs> Spidey is now under the spell of Dr. Faustus. Quick cutaway to Liz Allen and Mary Jane trying on wedding dresses. Both are uncomfortable in their own ways by having to do so. Mary Jane far more than Liz. She's very flighty except for when it comes to hostess cupcakes. <laughs> A hypnotized Spidey helps Faustus and his goons pass an array of lasers. That's an Austin Powers reference. <laughs> Actually, this whole bit is kind of an Austin Powers reference. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> and we arrive at Faustus's scheme, placing his hypno stuff inside a soon-to-be distributed flu vaccine. Nefarious. I mean, nefarious. <laughs> Accidentally placing Spidey under a vent, Spidey breaks from the original hypnosis, beats up the two goons with ease, and takes out Doc Faustus with slight difficulty and an assist from the lasers. One more cutaway to mention. Some dude pays top dollar to rent out the former Forest Hills residence of May and Peter Parker. He must like mothballs and wheat cakes. <laughs> Back to you, Pat. Pass the pipes to Pat. Wait, wait, wait. Who put that there? <laughs> oh, yeah. It reminds me. Delman, I think I owe you some money. Yeah, I oh. feel like I owe him some money, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Really? yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm broke. And I think you guys owe me some pipes. <laughs> nope. Not enough hypnosis oh. in the world, Pat. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, but it's not working. I tried. It was going to work. I, I mean, it, it was there. You know, there's an effort. <laughs> well, thank you for that very interesting, very thoughtful synopsis. I feel like I'm, I'm brainwashed now. Speaking about being brainwashed, let's go ahead and get into the brick or brack for this issue. Let's see if it's a first read or a reread. We'll start with Jason. This is a first read for me. What about you, Pat? Well, it's a first read for me too, Jason. Delvin? Sorry, guys. It's a reread. What? Yeah. You read this one? I did. I picked it up at the con. Oh, very cool. We'll let you slide then. not cool at all. We can't do a reading rainbow now, <laughs> Delvin. Sorry, Jared. Mother in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> It's a first read for me. I was so looking forward to riding the rainbow today. Boy. Well, so I was mean, I. Wind out of the sails. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't know what to do when it's not a reading rainbow. <laughs> you can suck it up. Uh, yeah. That's an option. Tears on my pillow. Pain in my heart. Because I'm Devin. <laughs> it's, it was my birthday, okay? You know, I wanted a slice of the cake beforehand. That's, All right. Is this well, the end well, of the episode? Do we just end it? Yeah, I know. We're done. <laughs> Did I mention we had 25 good episodes? And uh, 26 is so-so. Well, we'll see how it ends. But let's go ahead and get into some highs, lows, or what does. Looking on the list, it's my turn to go first. So I'm going to talk about the high, and I really like the artwork in it. Very impressive. A lot going on in this, especially with the beginning where you have Spider-Man and surrounded by some other his foes and just the layout on it as well too was very interesting so yeah, I, I just wanted to agree with you there and I'm gonna jump the line here and piggyback just a bit I thought Andrew did a really good job with the artwork he subtly hinted that that smoke was kind of gonna play a part with Spidey I mean if you notice in those first panels where Faustus is just openly smoking and he's doing it on purpose mm -hmm. there's a splash page of Spidey moving through the lasers was awesome I thought that was a really Really great panel and then how Spidey broke the spell where sure enough if you pay attention he had him right under the vents and that was included in the storyline Andrew did a great job of that and clearly he coordinated with Lynn so they did a great job of that 
Yeah, definitely. Jared, high, low, or what the? I've got some highs that revolve around art, but you guys pretty much ate all that up. So let's go to the story. No, it's fine. Let's go to the story. I really like that one page of this guy dead set on buying this house Mm -hmm. that belonged to Aunt May. I don't know where this storyline's going. I find it intriguing. It's one of those little seeds that Lynn plants that we always compliment him on. And just another good one. So kudos to that. I'm intrigued. That one page has got me hooked. Lynn's always doing these one pagers. He's very good at that. Yeah. Does anybody know who that guy is? No. You haven't read that far, Devin? I have not. I don't know who he is either. I didn't even know their house was up for sale. I thought they already had gotten rid of it or something. Why isn't Peter living? I'm I'm confused. Maybe it's kind of a weird vibe, letting a whistle in the same place your uncle died. Well, he likes dead bodies around. We know that much. Touche. Touche, sir. (laughs) Go ahead, Jason. Well, going into the story, I thought it displayed all of Spidey's range of powers. He used his spider sense to avoid the laser traps, his agility to avoid the lasers, used his strength to rip out the control box, used his web shooters to steal the MacGuffin from Faustus, and then even used his resourcefulness and intelligence to reactivate the defense systems to stop Faustus in the end. So I just thought the story overall just really encapsulated all of the powers of Spider-Man. Good point, Jason. Really good point. So used to Jason yeah. babbling and not mattering. <laughs> like, they was pretty good. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I, I don't know. He gave himself a good one. <laughs> good one, Jason. Stop good laughing one. at you. Today, this is the day they stop laughing at <laughs> Mark that in your calendar. Yeah, I did not notice that. He's right. It's absolute parade of Spidey powers in this book. Good catch, man. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get to the top of the round again. I'm going to give this a low because, okay, Dr. Faustus, he must be a cap villain. So he's kind of, you know, kingpin kind of a size kind of a guy too. So it's like, well, why you got two kind of kingpin size? Okay, so you can hypnotize Spider-Man. But why aren't you finding out who he is? I guess I keep going back to that again. Why don't you want to find out who he is? And you can still have him do what you need him to do. Just take the mask off. Well, it's possible that you can make him do just those manual tasks. But throughout the book, that henchman, you know, henchman exposition. (laughs) was like, okay, we're going to do this. And every time Faust was like, shh, you don't want him to hear it because maybe that would be enough to jar him out of the hypnosis. So it's possible that making a reach toward the mask would make Spider-Man resist the hypnosis because that's something that would just be completely against his nature. Just a guess. Yeah, I agree. So why wouldn't the smoke make his goons? I mean, I don't want to sound dumb, but is he even using the smoke on his goons? I just kind of assumed he hired the goons. In the yeah, that's what shirt. I thought too. Because I think the goons, all they're all like, hey, you know, keep it down. The boss really has him, you know, making comments like that the mm-hmm. whole way. I just assumed that the smoke yeah. was really only for Spider-Man. And if you think about it, even though Spider-Man was standing under the vent, it was when he made the comment about stealing the vaccine and putting his own contamination in it that Spider-Man really started to resist. So I think for simple menial tasks, he had Spider-Man enthralled. But if it came to something that was goes against his very core of his nature, I think that would have been more difficult for him to control. I appreciate your guys' thoughts on this. Let's go ahead and see what Jared got a high, low, or a what the? Just going to go back to the art real quick for the high. I'm going to pick a specific page. I believe it's content page 14. Great page layout where Dr. Faustus is getting the upper hand or foot as it were, <laughs> on Spidey. Just great page layout. You know, there's four action scenes that flow nicely in there, and I always respect that. The easier it is to follow action in a comic, like Norm Brayfogle's pretty much the king of that, Andrew is running pace right here. It's easy to follow this fight, and I always respect that. So I wanted to bring it up. I remember years ago that I thought that Ross Andrew, like, I didn't like his artwork. I, I think that's because growing up in the 90s and seeing the McFarlane, Eric Larson type action that you can look at some of the old stuff and just scoff at it and wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was absolutely wrong. Just even looking at, for me, um, it's page 15, just where he jumped through all the lasers. I love that panel. To me, that's just fantastic. And, and you're right, just flipping through the book again, there are just several times where Spidey was in action where he just looked so dynamic and cool. And Ross did a great job of that. Even in a book that it wasn't a ton of action, he got Spider-Man to do a lot of cool stuff. It's very interesting that you mentioned 
mention that, Delvin, because you can see, like, you know, McFarlane and, and all those people from the 90s, they were reading comic books. They were probably reading these books at the time, you know? Yeah. And these were the artwork that they were trying to mirror or do. So very interesting to see how that evolves. Delvin, you got a high or low or what the? Yeah, I'll go with a low of sorts. And it, it's more just kind of in the middle. I mean, you know, they tried to hype Faustus a little bit, but he was kind of eh. His plot to take over the city was a pretty cookie cutter one. They sort of tried to make him a match very quickly for Spidey, but that didn't work out too well. Not to the point where I just thought the comic book was boring or whether it, or it just ruined it, but kind of a meh villain to me. I think it probably doesn't help that we've just been on a string of that. We had the mess Spider Slayer, we had Will the Wisp, everybody was mad on that. We need a home run villain sometime soon to pick the pace back up. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, totally. These haven't been bad books by yeah. any means, but it would definitely be great to see a Doc Ock actually fight and not be afraid of ghosts and, you know, trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> Not just sitting around eating some bucket of chicken. <laughs> yeah, battling cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, you got a high-low or what the? One of the things I appreciated about the story was that the antelope virus vaccine ploy. I thought that was a pretty insidious plot. It was a far cry from, let me build a spire slayer to kill Spider-Man or let me steal these necklaces or, you know, some of the more standard tropes that we've had so far. And I was really impressed because I thought it mirrored modern day like when we've had these yeah. outbreaks of Ebola or swine flu. So it was something that you could bring into contemporary times and see where, hey, this was a pretty evil plot. <laughs> So I appreciated that. It was a good plot. Faust, does he come back again? I don't know. It had all the feelings of a one shot. Okay. But I don't know. Like I said, it, it seems like they, you know, they're pulling him from over from Cap Universe. So I'm kind of just wondering to get a little more background on this guy. I wanted to see a Faustus Kingpin hot dog eating contest. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, you know who'd win? Mary J. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right. With that, I think why don't we go ahead and roll into our silly Spidey moment for this issue. And let's go ahead and see. Jason, what's your silly Spidey moment? I think my favorite is actually a tribute to the letter on content page eight. When Spidey makes the comment about one misstep and will trip the traps. And then there's a little error pointing to the foot and says one misstep. I thought oh, that yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah, that was clever. What did you think, Jared? What was your favorite? I am a sucker for a fat guy who thinks he's about to get away but gets hit by a laser beam. <laughs> <laughs> he was totally running that so was... fast. Oh, <laughs> he's putting that effort in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just cracked me up. up. I actually laughed when I turned the page. I was like, oh, man, he's hauling butt down there. And Spidey was like, let me just do this. And he was like, zap, zap. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe laugh. Pat, what do you think? As I was reading this, like you guys know, I'm a sucker for when he calls people names. And I've been seeing this name come up lots and lots and lots. So I think Len likes to use the word chuckles a lot. <laughs> so I'm going to give it to the chuckles where he calls the goons chuckles. So that's my silly Spidey moment. Delvin? I thought it was funny in Faustus's monologue where he's like I have a crippling fear of heights like dude <laughs> why would you tell the enemy that you would think that Spidey could have just you know, as soon as he brought out his control rather than even fight him just pick him up and put him like then hold him up to the roof ah let me down let me down it just seemed like a really dumb thing for him to do so I thought that was pretty silly I'm also Very. allergic to almonds <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm I'm allergic to lasers, <laughs> but that won't hurt me. I'll be just fine. Ah! Be, ah! <laughs> oh, well, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Just a reminder, this rating is a one through five. Five is it tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, it fucking sucked or ruffled your tummy feathers. <laughs> Let's start with Delvin. What's your rating for this issue? Three out of five. It's not bad. Just didn't move the needle a ton for me. Pat, what do you rate it? I'm going to be with you right at a three as well, too. I thought it was middle of the road. A good story. I hope and I got a gut feeling that there's something bigger coming. I hope and I'm looking for. So I'm giving it a three. Jared? Well, you know, guys, sometimes you get a piece of food and it's not the piece you wanted and it's just basically filler. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you yeah. gotta eat the filler. You know, That's true. And, That's uh, true. This piece of filler wasn't bad. So I'm joining you guys there on three island or... Filler island. Filler island. <laughs> 
Yes. But like I said, it wasn't bad. It was a good filler issue. So it's a solid three. Jason. Well, I'm going to paddle myself out to Four Island. I Ooh. think that Dr. Faustus aside, there wasn't anything wrong with this book. The pacing was great. The art was great. The plot thread that was dangled in front of us was intriguing. Plenty of action. Great demonstration of Spider-Man's powers. I think if it had been the A-level villain, this could have very easily been a five. But I'll comfortably give it a four. I can respect that. Yeah. Me too. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter or Facebook page. We will be right back. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel podcast network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, and it is Star Wars issue number one. Woohoo! Woo! I'm so excited. I get to talk some Star Wars. I know you're fired up. Hey, woo! So, the credits for this issue are provided again by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. It was made from Marvel, cover date of July 1977, but it had an on-sale date of April 12th, 1977. Ah, I think it's somebody's birthday. Just Man. some great things happening on that day. No kid, Delvin's born and the first Star Wars comic hits the stands. That's good stuff. Man, I wish that was my birthday. Got a cover price of 30 cents. There is a 35 cent variant issue out there as well, so be on the lookout for that. Editor was Roy Thomas, right is Roy Thomas. Artist Howard Victor Chaken. And he was Chaken. 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 the Star Wars. <laughs> Letterer is James R. Novak. The spaced out colorist for this issue is Marie Severin. This was reprinted in the Marvel Special Edition featuring Star Wars issue number one. That's what I got. Uh, that's what you got. You got the big treasury size. Very mm -hmm. cool. Very cool. I think I have that as well, too. I am looking at it in the Star Wars Omnibus. I'm looking at it on digital because I got my codes, fools. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> another Ooh, victory big day on the crusade today yeah so you can probably find this anywhere like jason he's reading it on the marvel unlimited app let's go ahead and take a look at that cover cover credits penciler was again howard victor chicken whoa, 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 whoa. snapping his fingers Anchor Tom Palmer Palmer Palmer. Let's see, I tried to make it sound you know, let's get some cover review on this with the little cover description by Jared. All right, I'm going to be describing the cover of the number one. It's different from my sweet, sweet treasury cover that I have. I also have the treasury number three, which includes all the treasury issues in one. It's quite amazing, but this isn't Jared shows off his Star Wars collection time. But it is. This cover for the actual newsstand edition number one, the Marvel Comics group banner is rocking black letters on an aqua green background, and Luke Skywalker is standing watching the corner box, which has a blue background. The Star Wars logo is white letters with red highlights. Our main action centers on Luke Skywalker. Montaging out from behind Luke is an oddly colored Han Solo, and a not quite right Princess Leia, but a pretty darn good Obi-Wan, and an oddly rendered Darth Vader head. Behind all that, the Death Star. And radiating out from that, you got X-Wings, TIE Fighters, and other spacecraft. You get a cover blurb reminding you that this is the, quote, fabulous first issue, and a text box that says, Luke Skywalker, will he save the galaxy or destroy it? Hint, 
he will save it. One more text box at the bottom reminds us that this is, quote, Marvel's epic official adaptation of a film by George Lucas and a whole new high water mark for Marvel and licensed properties will be set. Back to you, Pat. Awesome. Thank you for that exciting cover description. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and see what the team thought about it. We'll start with Jason. Well, to be honest, I much prefer the treasury size edition cover. I know it's kind of blasphemy because this is an iconic cover. And to be honest, if I had the original art, I probably would hang it on my wall. But my eyes just kind of naturally gravitate to that ugly Darth Vader. And I just <laughs> don't like that Darth Vader. And as Jared mentioned, the Han Solo's kind of weirdly colored. And I don't know when Princess Leia became a redhead. Some of it just looks weird to me. I like the design. I like the concept. But the execution is a little weak for me. What do you think, Jared? I agree with you. Obviously, we got to cut Howard some slack. The time he's drawing this cover, nobody has any idea how big this mm-hmm. is going to be. Yeah. You know, he probably doesn't have a ton of model stuff. He's probably got a few snapshots from the studio. He's guessing. There's some guesswork involved. So for a guesswork cover, not knowing that one day everybody and my literal brother would be looking back and critiquing this. I think he did a good job, but you're right. It's Star Wars, so we want to see these certain trademark looks. Luke looks a little <laughs> off. Han looks a little off. Leia looks a lot off. Darth Vader kind of looks like a bug of some kind. Again, it's iconic, but there's plenty of flaw with it, but still lovable and charming. What do you say, Delvin? I like the TIE Fighter. That is a TIE Fighter, right? Well, there are two TIE Fighters on the cover. There's an X-Wing fighter flying in from the left, and two TIE Fighters are lower down. All right, so that was the X-Wing, I believe. I'm showing my lack of... Star Wars knowledge. <laughs> I've kind of been excited about this because Delvin is yeah. not a Star Wars guy. The rest exactly. of us are like, woo! And he's like, nah, it's Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are, uh, that's what I'm wondering. Are we going to win him over? Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to like my summary then. The table is now turned, Delvin. The oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely turned. But yeah, I wanted to say something positive about the cover, especially since you guys covered any of the flaws in the cover, like the green Darth Vader, which is weird. Even though I guess in one light you could say that it's black and they just like did shadowing on it but yeah it's green other than that nothing else to add pat what do you think i think some of you guys are looking at it in the wrong light i think you need to go into looking at this as this is something different and unique for star wars you know everybody's used to oh you know darth vader should look like that and new katan and blah 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 but you know knowing that this was being made before the movie even was kind of released and so they had to kind of put this together i think it's very unique to me it's kind of special too because you know as a kid these are the comics we had after seeing the movie playing with the action figures you would go back and just reread this over and over and over again as you would, you know, these were the pictures I would see in my mind as a kid. I really think it's just a unique and I'm going to use the word charming again, just brings me back to that nostalgic feel and makes the comic really kind of stand out by itself as well, a little bit different from the movie. And we'll get into that a little bit as we go through the six issues that cover the adaptation of the movie. You're not wrong, Pat. Good. I'm no, glad he's I'm... wrong. You got to get Darth Vader right. <laughs> eh, we'll see. I just, I, whatever. You're excited. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. (sighs) I can't kill his buzz, man. I can't kill his buzz. (laughs) Speaking about being excited, let's find out what will rate this cover. Just a reminder, we have a five rating system. Five, you loved it. It choked out your insolent co-worker. (laughs) I'm so proud of her. (laughs) Good Good one, Jerry. Good one. I like it. I like it. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. Or one, you hated it. Toshi Station was all out of power converters. Oh, man. man. Or it Millennium Falcon sucked. <laughs> oh, oh. That's, that's winner, Delvin. Next one, next one, Delvin. Very good. Well played, sir. <laughs> Let's see what it did for you, Delvin. I give it a three out of five. I thought it was a good cover. I actually uh, don't have anything else to add, so I'll pass it to Jared. Dancing between a three and a four. Can't remember if we do halvesies on this show or not. No, 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 do we do. You should definitely go ahead. Oh, all right. I'm going to say 3.5. What What? the (laughs) son of a (laughs) 25 episodes and you're throwing us off. You know what? I tell you what, I'm going to go with Delvin. I'm going to say it's a three. I understand where Pat's coming from, but as I sit here and I look at the cover of my Treasury Edition, this is so much better. Um, So yeah, I'm going to go Delvin three. What do you say, Pat? 
I hear what you're saying. I'm going to give this one a four. I really liked it. Of course, the Treasury Edition cover is a lot better, and it's that more iconic-y looking Luke with the sword and raised high, Princess Leia down below. I'm giving this a four. Jason? I agree with everybody but Pat. I'm giving it a three. I like the Treasury Edition much better. You can't screw up Darth Vader and get away with it. Three it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, very good. That's fine. I'll be on my own four island here again. I'm used to it. Let's go ahead and get into some synopsis for this issue. And Jason, why don't you tell us what the synopsis is? This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, Latte, the boy's a little upset. He's angry because a man shouldn't have to do a synopsis. I mean, what kind of life are you leading, man, if you need a synopsis on Star Wars? Why in the hell are you listening to this podcast? I mean, get your life straight, lad. Pause it, pause it, go sort your life, and then come back. And if you've seen Star Wars, might I recommend a little show called Zardoz? I think you would like that one a lot. I hear that's very good. Anyway, when you do come back and you get yourself unscrewed, this episode ends where Luke is attacked by the Sand People. Back to you, Jason. All right, thanks for that, Mr. Connery. I was about ready to lose my mind. Somebody coming up here asking me for a summary for Star Wars. This is, <laughs> oh, man, like I'm asking a shepherd about my catch Torch your life out, Let me tell you something. There's the crack bum that lives at the end of my street. He's seen Star Wars. I respect him more than you right now, okay? (laughs) This is why people don't get into Star Wars. Star Wars people are freaking insane. Anyway, that's all the synopsis you're going to get, Pat. Back to you. Jason, thank you for that. You know, in the script, it says short synopsis. I guess that was. (laughs) He never can quite get there. Yeah. (laughs) Short synopsis. It's Star Wars. If you need a summary, pause this recording and sort yourself out by watching Star Wars. Issue one ends when Luke is attacked by the Tusken Raiders while trying to find Ben Kenobi. Back to you, Pat. (laughs) All right. There you go. Thank (laughs) you (laughs) for that recap. Watch Zardoz. Damn it, Mr. Connery. Quit messing with my script. Uh, well, speaking about messing with the script, let's go ahead and get to the bricker brack for this issue. Let's see if it's a first read or a reread. I think I know how this is going to go, but... <laughs> I have a suspicion, too. Let's go ahead and just play it out. Jason? It's a re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-
very few lines, heavy inks, light inks. It's a little all over the place, but it just appeals to me. So it's very weird, very different. You don't see a lot of style like this, but it's up my alley. So I'm going to go with a high for the Chaken art, even though it's odd. And I will pass it to Pat. You know, I want to agree with you there, too, on the art. I like it. The One of the highs that I like is you get the little spot where Luke is talking to Biggs and his friends. You get that little extra, well, extra stuff you don't get in the movie. And that's, that's a part that I really liked and really enjoyed there. I thought it was really cool. We'll pass it to Delvin. <laughs> Let's see what Delphin's got to say. I feel so useless. <laughs> I actually did think that Darth Vader came across as a credible menace in this first book. And that's a simple enough place for me to stop. And I'll pass it to Jason. I'll just build off of what Pat said about the extra scene with Biggs in this issue, which is something that they cut out of the movie, which I found a little bit regrettable because it makes Biggs' death at the end of the story in the Death Star Trench. Spoiler alert. Don't tell a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes it a lot more poignant and relevant. You yeah. don't really care much about the character when you see the original movie, but when you get this backstory and you see how integral his life was to Luke's, it really makes the story a little more, just adds a little more flavor, I guess. Yeah, let's go ahead and give it to Jared. Another high, low, or what the? I guess it's kind of a what the, just the different tone because you're so used to seeing the movie. And mm -hmm. Delvin mentioned Darth Vader being a credible threat. Doesn't he seem like much more like not mellow in this comic? He seems like, liar, where are those information tapes? Yeah. You know, like talkative. he's way over the top where in the movie he's threatening because he doesn't get upset. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just sort of an interesting take. So I'll give that a what the, but nothing really wrong with it. It's just they're comicizing it. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Pat? It is hard to go through a book like this knowing it all and i got more highs about it just because of the nostalgic than you know this is my cup of tea here this is what i love and this is what i grew up as a kid you know i can't wait till we get to after issue six there's six episodes of this six there's issues of the adaptation yeah okay what pat's excited about is after that you move into original stories that are only yeah. available in the comics so those are kind of more exciting because you don't know them as well mm -hmm. oh they branched off yeah, they started doing original yep. stories just for the comic. And then what's neat is it'll come back when Empire of the Strikes Back comes out. Mm -hmm. It'll come back and they'll do the adaptation of that and then it'll branch off. And then it'll come back for Return of the Jedi and then it'll branch back off again. I like the coloring as well. I think the coloring in this issue was very well done. I'm going to put this as a neither good or bad. So it's just really a comment. I remember some years back they did an adaptation of Transformers the movie like in a comic book form. I think IDW did it. And I bought it. And I'm like, why did I buy this? I know what the movie was. Why did I buy a four-issue miniseries of something that I already knew the story of? I actually don't know why I did it. I guess it was just that nostalgia kick and maybe 20-year anniversary. I'm not sure why. And it almost seems like this could be just one of those joyless cash grab things. But it's not, I don't think. Especially since you guys said that they're going to be introducing some original stories afterwards. So the completely negative thing to say here, and I don't mean this, is that I don't see the point of it. But I guess a much more constructive way of saying it is I'm definitely in a wait and see mode on it. I didn't dislike the book at all, and I understood that it was going through the movie. I'm intrigued to see um, what's going to be coming next. You know, I would like to jump on that. I want to say I don't think your instincts are wrong, Delvin. I thought that way for many years about a lot of licensed properties. Like, I passed and poo-pooed on, like, Star Trek comics because I'm like, why? I've got the shows and I've got the movies. Like, why do I need to be in this universe I already know about? So there wasn't a lot of grab for me. And I was the same way about the Star Wars comics. I was just like, oh, they're cool and they're there. There. Yeah. Um, why? And only as I've gotten older, I've gotten interested in going back and reading and finding out what fantastic comics they are. So I think that's really it. It's being able to see it in a different medium, seeing an artist's take on it, writer's take on it, especially mm -hmm. when they get into original stories. But you no, know, I feel you. I've felt that way for years. I would pass on a lot of licensed properties. Same as you. I'd be like, why? Why do I need that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you uh, not leaving me <laughs> no, out you're, there and just I, like, I hear you it. hate Star Wars, you son of a so, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. I guess it's no different than Transformers, Delvin. It's not. You know, kind of the same thing that they're doing here. Taking that property and doing yeah, an adaptation you, and then doing original stuff and going. I mean, this went for a long time. How long did it go? 107 
Really? Issues? Sounds about right. It's 107 issues, you're right, for Marvel. And then, like, Dark Horse picked it up and has run some other stuff with it, a lot of other stuff. And then it went back to Marvel. They own the license again. Mm Mm-hmm. Overall, this is a really big high for me. This book has a lot of nostalgia factor. Mm -hmm. And for younger listeners who may not have known the struggle back in 1977 or the early 80s, if you didn't see a movie in the movie theater. That was it. There was no DVD or even VHS was a ways off. So you had to kind of get your Star Wars fix anyway. And the comic book was one way that you could revisit the story of Star Wars. I mean, I had the novels. Of course, we had the comic book. So this was a big deal for me if I wanted to go and read Star Wars again. The thing I like about the comic book that I've come to appreciate as an adult is Chaikin's art that we talked about with the colors. It has that 70s pop, that energy to it, that feel to it. You know, if Star Wars is a steak, Chaikin is a unique seasoning. I mm-hmm. think the best way to describe something that I can still enjoy as an adult that was an absolute necessity to me as an eight-year-old kid. Very cool. In looking through this again, I just have one what the. I'm going to throw this out here. It's early on when Vader and the council is talking around and Vader is there. He has a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I got to go look now. He steals it. He force takes it from somebody. Like he steals somebody's coffee. Yeah. And then he's like, he's going to drink it or something. Of course, he's baller. <laughs> he he it's totally like does. baller. He like, he's like, you won't be needing that. <laughs> hot. Too hot. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, he's got a mask on. How is he going to drink this coffee? <laughs> I did not notice that. I probably read this a dozen times. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I just noticed it too. I'm like, you know, because you're over, you see the movie and you just, you know what scene's going on there and you overlook it. And I'm, yeah. I'm staring at this going, is he or he's, something? He's got some kind of a He's not just off. drinking a cup of coffee. He's <laughs> drinking a cup of coffee he ganked from his coworker. Just, <laughs> he's the worst. You know, he raids the fridge too. Yeah, that's how mean Vader is. <laughs> Are those your nutter bars? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, man. So let's get into the next segment for this issue is Who's Got the Force? You got the force. Who's got the power? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That's a different. That's a different. We are really mashing it now. But <laughs> well, Delvin's interested. <laughs> yes. Let's see who you think had the force for this issue. Jared? You know what? Up until this point, I probably would have said like R2-D2 because he was getting it done, all business. <laughs> but you swayed me during today's recording. Darth Vader for stealing the cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, damn it. That was mine too. <laughs> Darth Vader ganking a cup of coffee in the middle of the meeting. He's got the force. All right. That's going to be mine too. So Delvin, what's going to be yours? So I'll take R2 then. He is the one that had a very important mission and he would not be deterred from it. So I'll go with R2. Jason? I think I'll take a wild card go with Big Starklighter. I think that he has a huge influence on Luke's life as the initial push for Luke to go down the path to joining the Rebellion. Plus, we learn a little bit about the Rebellion through this little lost footage of Biggs and Luke's conversation. Not a bad choice there, Jason. Like Not that. at all. Very good. But really, Darth Vader for stealing that guy's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's go ahead and get into the ratings. Just a reminder that for this issue, we rated a one through five. Five was you loved it. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you Vader hated it. Don't be a Vader hater. Don't be a Vader hater. <laughs> well, let's see. Delvin, what's it going to be? It's going to be a three for me. It was interesting oh. enough. Jason? If you don't like it, if you don't like it, I don't care. If you don't like it, hit the road because I just don't care. It's a five. Loved it. (laughs) Whoa. That's a long way to go. I don't know how to follow that. I liked it a lot. I'm giving it a solid four. I like it at a four rate. What do you think there, Patronimus? I got to give it a five. Jason's song really swayed me there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think it's interesting to point out, too, there's a small age difference in us. You're closer to Jason's age. And, of course, Delvin and I are closer in age. Mm -hmm. You guys were just a little older when Star Wars hit. So I think you guys love it just a little more. Yeah, it's that nostalgic feel for me. that nostalgia. Yeah, because, like, at this point, I'm one. So I don't have a nostalgia for the comic Mm -hmm. until I get older. You guys had it in your head. Hands, you know, and, yeah, I was literally born on this day. So, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even one now that you mentioned. I would have been because I'm only like five months older than Delvin. I couldn't read at the time, you know, I, I was an infant. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now so we were right in the thick of it. You were we were. This was the first movie that I really mm-hmm. remember seeing at the movie theaters and just being enthralled and wanting to get the toys and wanting to be Han Solo. Just loved it. So this is yeah, this five us, is yeah. a pure nostalgia factor for me. Is it a flawed book? Of course it is. We talked about the flaws both on the cover and in the interiors, but I will gladly overlook all those flaws for all the joys it gave me growing up and still tickles my tummy feathers today it chokes out your insolent co-workers it does <laughs> all of them man with a big force joke <laughs> you will move to the left a little more a little that's better <laughs> <laughs> now that delvin's dipping his toe in the universe i just have a mental image of him like this week at work it's like looking at that one guy across the way in the cubicle <laughs> doing a little force choke hand oh we've all done it <laughs> We've all done it. I think it'd be a better move if I just got up and took his coffee. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's your thing for this week, Delvin. Go get somebody's coffee. Just go take it. <laughs> this week, Delvin gets fired from his job <laughs> for laughs on the podcast. <laughs> I find my lack of employment disturbing. <laughs> But he got the laughs on Crusader Chronicles. He sure did. And that's what matters. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's going to bring that part to an end. You got a comment or question, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter or Facebook page. We will be right back. A long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. From 1977 to 1986, Marvel Comics published comics based on the blockbuster movie hit Star Wars. Hey, I remember that comic. But Star Wars was not the only comic Marvel published based on someone else's property. Really? Tell me more. I will. I'll tell you much more in podcast form. Marvel's Cosmic Comics, a podcast covering Marvel's licensed publishing during the first Star Wars era. Like what? Well, Star Wars, of course. Of course. And Micronauts. Classic. Rom. Space Knight. Better than it should be. Shogun Warriors. No idea what it is, but it sounds awesome. John Carter, Warlord of Mars. I've heard of that. Star Trek. Motion picture era, isn't it? Godzilla. That was a comic. Man from Atlantis. So, Aquaman. Jack Kirby's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Wait. Really? That's a thing? A human fly. What? He was a real-life stuntman. You're just making stuff up now, aren't you? I wish I were. And there's much, much more. Anyway, join comic book fan, collector, and writer Ben Avery as he explores the good, the bad, and the ugly of Marvel's licensed sci-fi comics. Marvel's Cosmic Comics, found wherever you catch your podcasts and on the web at comicbooktimemachine.com. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show, where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off the comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that are now entered into our quarterly drawings to win free swag that may include, but is not limited to, comic art, prints, comics, sometimes autographed by creators, trading cards, action figures, appearances on a long box crusade show, lunch boxes, DVDs, CDs, and the list just goes on and on and on. They also enjoy discounts from the yard sale artist dot bigcartel.com and early access to special long box episodes. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Blasseter Stashit, Bob Buster, David Collins, Gene Hendricks, Ivan the Collector, Ivor Evans, Maxwell Traver, Mr. Lobotomy, Ronald Went, Ross Michaud, Steve Cronin, and Tim. If we miss anyone on the list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you may be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's simple. Just head over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. 
Let's start with our email from Sean. Sean writes, Gentlemen, I've been enjoying the Longbox Crusader Chronicles for about six months. How many episodes have we done? Pat, do you know? Boy, you know, it's hard to believe. We've done like 25 episodes. I can't believe it. Can you believe it, Sean? It's like the 26th one, I think. Anyway, yeah. back to Sean. He said, I just wanted to give you all a quick thank you. I'm a fan of Marvel Bronze Age and look forward to your podcast. That's pretty sweet, Sean. Oh, Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Now we will get to social media, like, shares, and retweets from... Yeah. Left my wallet with Al Sedano. I got to get it. I got guys to get it. Alec Edward Taylor. Andrew Morris. Andy Handova. Ave Save a Marie. <laughs> so beautiful. Next up is Bill Bear. Bud Winkle. Knucklehead. Charles Griffith. Charlie Green. Clinton Robinson. Cuckoo Kachoo. Coffee and Comics. Comics for Jack. Craig Bednarik. Daniel Mark Phillips. Darth Ron. Dave Franklin. David Barbour. David Collins. That, that wizard's just, just a crazy old man. David Sims Ready Five. D. Claiborne. Debiendu Mitra Mustafi. Ed Fager. Emil Casada. Eric Ward. Flavio Alves Araujo. G.I. Joe, a real American head cast. Gal walks into a comic shop. Jing Jing. Podcasting Machine Hendrix. Jeffrey Ranger. Glenn Link. Green Lantern HG. Greg Sanderson. Green Lantern's alter ego, Hal Jordan. H.R. Predeus. Ilton Godet. Ivan Chudley. Jacques Bonhomme Jr. James Charles Huntley. J.T. Jeffrey Westhoff. Jeremy Spaulding. John Tubbissing. Jonathan Shaper Haynes. Hey, I know that guy. That was what he did. <laughs> Juan Alberto Rojas. Cam Motashimi. Keith Bodkin. Well, if we're doing stuff. Star Wars, then we know Ken Solo. He always draws first. <laughs> oh, good one. Open the door, get on the floor. Everybody rock King Dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Next up is Licarto 7. Mark Holcomb. Matt, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> nice. Maurice Cowan. Max Traver. Michael K. Rabone. Michael O'Connor. Mike Peacock. Olivier. Patrick Coyle. Speaking of Patrick, we have Patrick R. Carey. We've got Ruth. Hey, Darren. Wait, I did that backwards. Anyway, it's Rad Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Name so nice, I had to say it twice. It's Reggie Reggie. Let's pop a cold one for Rick Heineken. Robert Kennedy. Ross Michaud. You know who you are. Russell Britton. Ryan Daly. Scott Barry. Scott X. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Sphinx Magoo. Stefano Balese. Stephen Fowler. The Abominable. Abel Padzilla. Tim Hamilton. Tim Hansen. Come on down. Tim Price is the next contestant. <laughs> Timmy. We are unpacking the power of the power pack. Vince Long. Vinyl Rob. Welcome to the Mr. Toon Show. And we are closing out with William Carlisle. Now we will talk about some social media comments from Craig Peterson. And Craig writes, congratulations to at D-Ray 1977, a.k.a. Delvin Williams, a.k.a. Silver Hands, a.k.a. Dark Web, <laughs> a.k.a. Pop Pop Hiss on making the promo. Love the skit. That was fun to do, and we're proud to have Delvin as part of the promo. If he made it, folks, he made it. He's a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real podcaster now. Delvin, pick out a comment. So, from Ryan Daly. Ryan Daly comments, I give this episode five tea bags. So, bloop, 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 and bloop to you, Ryan. <laughs> And then there's Jose Bracero, who says, another character who bit the dust. He will be missed. Not. <laughs> bit the dust? Willow the Wisp, man. Willow. Right? Oh, yeah. He'll be back. So you don't even remember. He'll be back. He didn't bite the dust. Spoilers. I will take one from our good friend, Vap. Van Allen Plexico. He says, I had this issue leading up to that, but never found that issue itself and never learned how the storyline ended. Well, stick around to the next episode, Van, and you will. That's what we're here for. All right, great. Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. 
be sure to check out the website longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where the posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a thank you to Jared, Jason, Delvin for joining me this episode. Boy, guys, I don't know. It's been 25. 26 now. 26 now, yeah. Can you believe it? I believe it (laughs) wholeheartedly. Feeling every mile. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet if they want to interact with us. And we encourage you to do so. Jason? Well, you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also find me on the Kessel Run. I can make it somewhere between 11 and 13 parsecs. Pat? Mm -hmm. I'm there right next to you in the co-pilot. You can call me Chewy Cristatos. <laughs> Chewy Cristatos sounds delicious. Yes, it does, doesn't it? I'm hungry now. we ever open a restaurant, We're... we've got to have the Chewy Cristatos. <laughs> yes, I think we'll be making a run to the border with a galaxy far, far away. But anyway, you can find me on the Twitter at Cristatos01. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to... Forgot to put the YouTube thing in there again. Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. You don't got a button on your mic itself? Shut up, Pat. No, you shut up. <laughs> you shut up. You all shut up. Joining me is Jared, the the Albrick. <laughs> I am Jared the Albrick. Jared the Albrick. I'm the- Jason the Albrick. That is Delvin the Williams. <laughs> I am Pat the Christatos. <laughs> Hamilton versus Burr. Yeah, here we go. Drop that promo. Uh, what do you think, person I pass it to next, but I don't have my script up? It's me, Pat. I don't have the script up either. Hold on a second. That's me. Man, we, we we should just pass the pipe to Pat, right? <laughs> Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Give me those Star Wars again and again. What if Walken was in Star Wars? Did you know he screen tested for real? Did he? For Han Solo. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You've never heard the Millennium Falcon... The ship that made the Kessel Run less than 12 parsecs. <laughs> I know. Just, I, you don't have to say it. <laughs> so we're talking while you're away, Jason, about how, uh, people who screen tested. You know, like, you know, Christopher Walken read for that part. Yeah. And, uh, I'm happiest in the Falcon. In the Falcon. Uh, it took us 25 episodes to get here. Did you guys, did I mention it's been 25 episodes? <laughs> and we're Not finding here. <laughs> Stand by. Standing by. Red four. Standing by. Red leader. Standing by. Roger. Ready to move out. Gold leader. Standing by. The guns. They stopped. They jammed us. Raspberry. Only one man in the universe would dare to use raspberry.